on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Manscaped. I'm Henry Chisholm, and today uh, we're talking about what we learned from Justin Wilcox, the head coach of Cal, uh, Mario Cristobal of Oregon, and Kevin Sumlin of Arizona. Today was the last day of the Pac-12's media webinar series, which I think has been great. I think it's been really interesting. You know, some of the questions do get a little bit redundant. But at the same time, each of these coaches has a slightly different take on the situation. And for the most part, it's it's all fresh material that people are trying to get into just because we've all been saying through all these calls um, and we've all been kind of bored when we hear too much about the same topics. Uh, so today I thought was good. Um, it, I mean, you can't top Chip Kelly and Herm Edwards and Jonathan Smith. But uh, it was interesting, and and I think there was more new information today. And I think part of the reason it was interesting is because things are changing in some of the states uh, that these guys are coaching in: uh, Arizona, California, and uh, oh, who's the th- oh, uh, Oregon, of course. He's at Oregon. Um, but uh, yeah, you you look at California. You know, before the call. Uh, I mean, like during the call, but before it was, I think before it was being recorded, we'll see if you guys get to hear it. And before technically everything started, it was, uh, it was Yogi Roth and, uh, uh, not someone, sorry, Justin Wilcox talking about, uh, California and how things are kind of changing. Uh, Yogi Roth of Packworld Network is living out there, but, uh, obviously Kevin Sumlin is too, or not someone. Why do I keep doing that? Justin Wilcox. Um, and California's obviously been one of the hardest hit states by this. And it seems like California is where it is least likely that sports happen this year. Um, but just today, some, some changes were made. I, I believe it was today that California opened up the beaches for exercise so like you can surf you can run but how uh wilcox explained it was that you can't just hang out there um so that's that's a big step there um in arizona restaurants are opening again there still are the social distancing guidelines but they're mostly untouched um so some good signs there um also uh, the coaches had talked about um, 
going to other states. I think it was before the call as well that, you know, Chris Ball is saying back when I was in training camp, we used to travel for training camp. You know, we'd spend a month at wherever. Um, I guess what the Broncos used to go up to Greeley. Um, so something like that. And so if you're Oregon and Eugene, uh, you want to just bus everybody for five hours, 10 hours, um, put them up in a hotel where everybody's locked in together, go through a month of camp, um, and hope that I guess nobody brings the sickness in with them. Uh, you know, that's one way to do it. And, um, you know, uh, I, I know that later on in the call, Wilcox said that he's had those discussions and they've talked about different places they could even play games. Um, but he said that he couldn't tell us where those places were, which particular cities, what they're looking for, that kind of stuff. But those are the conversations that they're having. And it's not much of a surprise that those are the conversations that are going on. Um, there wasn't much that was specifically buffs relevant today. Um, I can't think of, I mean, Colorado didn't come up and neither did any of the other schools that anybody was talking about. But um, I do think that a, a lot of the main points are that these coaches, like most that we've talked about, have really enjoyed being able to interact more with their student athletes. Um, I think it was Cristobal who said that They've just been opening their Zoom calls 20 minutes early, 25 minutes early, and the players are just flooding in and telling jokes and having a blast, and you know they're leaving them open when it's over so everybody can hang out, and the players are enjoying it, the coaches are enjoying it, um, because there is that divide uh, in in a locker room. You know, the the coach isn't hanging out on the bench usually, just joking around outside the lockers with everybody, but this is kind of a chance to do exactly that. He says that. A lot of the moms are checking in because all these uh, student athletes are at home. Um, the moms are showing up in the background of the camera. They want to hear what's going on. Um, and I think Cristobal seemed like he was enjoying the, the, like some of the parents being interested. Um, I don't know. There, there are some of those uh, pros. Um, but at the same time, you're missing out on the real reps. Uh, this isn't totally relevant, but I saw earlier this morning that Cortland Sutton of the Broncos said that uh, typically during the OTAs, the coaches say that they run about 300 plays. So if an offense typically runs about 60 a game, basically you're losing five games worth of reps. Um, and I would guess that those numbers are fairly similar, similar at the college level. In fact, they could be quite a bit bigger because the, the spring season is so full for college sports, whereas I mean, you just have a couple different bouts of the mini camps uh, for the for the NFL guys, um, but that I, I just hadn't heard anybody put a number on it and thought it was interesting that that's what the Broncos coaches have come up with. Um, I think that, I mean, honestly, that's close to it. Oh, there there were some questions about playing the season in the spring, which I think are relevant. Um, Again, these coaches explain themselves probably better than I can, but the the consensus was that pushing the season into the spring causes problems. Um, and, and we've talked about that on this podcast, and so we won't dig too deep into it, but you guys can imagine what the problems are, you know? If, if you're still playing games into January, even into February, well, what if somebody graduated 
um, at the end of the fall semester and isn't planning on taking classes in the spring. I guess you could just have them take classes and then drop out as soon as the season's over. But I mean, there's that stuff going on. There's the draft that's coming up. Um, a lot of players likely sitting out the end of the season because you can't get hurt before the draft. Uh, you miss all your spring practice. And so the quality of play in 2021 is lowered um, in the fall season, not just the 2020 season that's played in the spring of 2021. Um, and, and so you do run into all those roadblocks. Um, and, and you could work around those and you could find solutions, but it would take a lot of work and there would be people at every school who are spending a lot of time figuring out how to make things work. Even, even stuff that doesn't seem all that related, you know, the, the Buffs basketball team isn't used to having mid season conference games, um, at the same time as football games. So what does that look like? Are there more fans? Are there less fans? Do you have to do things to bring them in? Can you package the games together and say, hey, we've got a matinee basketball game and a, a football game at night? Uh, all of those discussions that need to be had, just because there hasn't been a 100 years of history of how you do things and slowly refining into where each piece fits. Um, and so it's at every level. There's there's conversations that would need to be had, and at some levels, those would be very difficult conversations, and the solutions may be kind of tough to find, but they'd probably be there. Um, so that's kind of my take there. Again, they, they mentioned that those problems exist, and that is something that they're wary of. It seemed like Kevin Sumlin in particular was pretty against letting the season run into the spring. Um and, and that's where you get into the questions. I mean, would the would the NCAA let a player just finish out the season um, if if you know the the regular season is scheduled to end middle of January, um, the bowl season, the the college football playoff is scheduled to end say middle of February or maybe yeah, let's just call it middle of February. Depending on which school you go to, that's three, four weeks of classes that you're supposed to be in. And if the NCAA grants that waiver, then sure, it's fine. But also, where do they live? Can the school give an extra semester's worth or a prorated amount of the extra semester's worth of like the per diem, like whatever, whatever they get to take for not staying in the dorms? Or can you can the school put them in the dorms by the school's policy if those players aren't going to any classes and aren't actually students anymore they're just on the football team and you might have schools that say we don't want to be represented by somebody who isn't going to school here anymore and you know that would be a pretty frustrating argument for a lot of people but you know there you saw the board of regions voting down football coaches contracts at colorado they might be the same types of people who would not like seeing that kind of thing happen there are just a lot of problems and a lot of things that have never been done before that need to be done and you can't afford to screw many of them up otherwise the whole thing goes up in flames uh, some more questions that they were having you know I, I think that question that really sparked some good conversation was right after another question when somebody asked uh would you rather play eight games, um, cancel the first four games, just play your eight games because that's what you have time for, or try to push the whole season back those four weeks, push everything just back a month so that you could try to get through it. And the coaches didn't answer, um, which I honestly I didn't like. Um, I think that, you know, what they said was we, we don't know what uh, – 
all of the other circumstances are. There's so much that goes into that question. You know, are we totally healthy or what? There's so many rules that would have to be made and so many different ways that that could go um, that it is tough to, to just look at that scenario because so much information would be missing from that scenario. Um, but at the same time, and I guess they did kind of circle back around and answer and say, you know what, all of us coaches, all of the players, we all want to play football and we want to play as much football as we can. Um, but they did say, again, they kind of mentioned those issues uh, that, that you run into if by pushing everything back, you have college football running really into February. Um, so who knows? Who knows uh, what the state of everything is, but uh, this was the last of these webinars. There will be a Pac-12 virtual media day. Um, we don't... Actually, no, I think he did say he expects it to be July 29th. Um, so that is good to know, and I'm pretty sure that was the day that they had picked for the actual Pac-12 media day, which has been canceled. So... We'll get to do this all again, I guess is where I'm going, um, except not only with the coaches and all the coaches will be, uh, you know, they'll, they'll each have their own turn. They'll each probably have 30 minutes than each of the players because you, you take an offensive player and a defensive player to media day. Uh, they each do. I mean, we won't know. We'll see how they format it. But when you're there, they just put all three in different corners of the room. So, like, there's, like, a main stage. That's where the coach is talking with, like, a podium because you need the media. You need to be, like, elevates where everybody can see. Um, and then in the back corners of the ballroom, they put uh, one player in each. So anybody who needs them can just, like, circle back there. And they have, like, their podium. It's, like, a nice setup. But um, typically, unless... I mean, who was there last year? It was Nate Landman and Visca. And with Nate, I, I was pretty much just one-on-one -on -one with him because I wasn't up there with Mel because I talked to Mel, I'll get all the quotes. I'd have time for like one, two questions that I could push in with that whole horde of people versus with Nate, you have pretty much him to yourself or at most there's like a group of three of you. Um, so yeah, we will hear from everybody around July 29th though. It sounds like will be the next time. Um... And I guess it's like coaches for 30 minutes each and players for 15 minutes each. So I'm excited about that. You know how much I love Media Day, even if it, it is virtual. It's not quite the same. Um, yeah. I think this is going to do it for today. I don't think I had any other notes that I wanted to hit. I didn't write any other notes down, but sometimes I think I can remember my notes. Um, cool. Well, if you guys have any questions, any comments, I will get to those on the next show. If you drop them in the post for today's show at thedmvr.com. Um, yeah, that's, that's how it works. Uh, before I play this audio, oh, oh, I should say, um, all three, actually here, I'll, I'll just post all four of the videos of the call of the calls with all these coaches uh in the post for this show so if if you want to and you don't need to be a subscriber to see those i should throw that out there but uh if if you want to see all this for yourself um all four videos will just be embedded in this post um so you can check that out and watch if you'd rather watch uh cool before i leave you i do want to tell you about breckenridge brewery one of my favorite of our partners just because I really like their beers and, uh, you know, I, I wasn't a beer guy. I, I want to credit Breckenridge Brewery with turning me into a beer guy. I, I, I could drink like 
the the watery kind of like the quantity beers you know a coors light uh you know that that type of beer the kind that's just cheap and gets you drunk and you can have a lot of and play pong with um but it wasn't until break that i started branching out more you know i that's the hot peak ipa is the first ipa that i just powered through you know, usually I've had like tastes. And I've just been like, eh, you know, I don't really like this and I've just moved on. But, you know, the Hot Peak IPA, I was like, you know, what? I'm not an IPA guy. It is still a bit hoppy. But then I just drank two of them and I got used to it. And it's just such a good beer that I can't imagine ever not wanting to drink it. And it really has opened me up to other beers, too. It, it makes me more interested. Um, and I think part of it is going and touring the facilities and hearing about how they build the beers and the scientists and the tasters and all the different pieces and hearing how they they make the strawberry sky and they just want a tiny little hint just a little aftertaste almost of strawberry for just a second so it just tastes like a normal beer and then for just an instant just a flash of strawberry and they're explaining all the different ways like the different temperatures they put everything together and and how that turns it into just a little hint of strawberry right at the end uh, but all that stuff is really interesting it's really opened my mind up to beer being more than transportation really just from sober to buzz to drunk uh and it's been fun you can just enjoy drinking the beer instead of enjoying yourself after you drink the beer um brackenridge brewery incredible stuff um turning me into a full-fledged adult if you guys would like to try some, check out the beer locator at their website, and it'll tell you where you can do exactly that. Um, if you are hungry, then you should order food from the Breckenridge Brewery Farmhouse. It's so good. If you use the code DMVR, you save $5. They deliver to all sorts of different places. It's a really big area that they'll deliver to. You can also go pick it up yourself. Um, of course, you never know. I think maybe in a few weeks we'll have restaurants open. You can just go there and experience how cool that place is for yourself. Um, maybe we're close. I also want to tell you about uh, DraftKings. Really, really enjoy DraftKings. Um, it's it's a lot of fun. Hopefully you guys uh, didn't listen to my advice. Actually, no. You know what? If, if you listen to my advice, you still have a $25 free bet. I was right that the uh, fight didn't go the distance, but I was wrong about who was going to win the fight. So sorry about that. I am one in one, which I, is less impressive now that I remember that I picked two favorites, but I played the game right. And now you just turned your $25 into a $25 free bet if you were listening to me. Uh, so... Maybe I can improve. I don't know. I mean, you're still up money, I guess, if you're listening to me. Who knows? But uh, I do want to say that DraftKings is the official betting partner. Oh, DraftKings Sportsbook is the official betting partner of DNVR. It's legal sports betting in Colorado. You do it from your phone, from your computer, uh, any other. I mean, like an iPad, I guess, is another one. They have so many different specials. Uh, they, they, it's, it's just the best way to do it. You know, if if you're going with some overseas online sports book, um, first of all, the odds probably aren't any better, and second of all, this is a really scary time to be betting on sports, um, especially betting on sports illegally. You know, because DraftKings Sportsbook is uh, 
not operated by the government, but uh, overwatched, overse- overseen, let's go with overseen, I think that sounds better, um, is overseen by the Colorado government, they can't just say, oh, you said the Broncos were going to win nine games this year, well, guess what, there was no season, you're not getting your money, uh, because that is illegal. Um, that means that legal sports betting sites will uh, follow the law and illegal sites will not. Um, or that they don't have to. They could. Um, so, yeah, definitely check it out. If, if you're going to uh, start betting on sports or if you're now going to start betting on sports legally, why not, uh, why not pick DraftKings, the official betting partner of DNVR, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't forget to enter the code DNVR and get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times play through restrictions do apply see draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 all right uh here is uh mario cristobal kevin sumlin justin wilcox and yogi roth of the pac-12 network moderating it uh have fun listening i know i did Coaches, thanks for joining us and uh, looking forward to it. It's been a really fun week. And as you guys are living, it has changed from Monday to today. It has been completely different in terms of the news around COVID-19 and every respective school and, and of course, your state. So we'll get into that in a minute. But I wanted to start for you guys. What has been the most enjoyable, creative, surprising part about dealing with your student athletes in these times that no one could have predicted? Coach Cristobal, we'll start with you. Most creative thing. I think maybe some of the guest speakers were able to bring in on some of these Zoom meetings that we orchestrate. Some of the former players having a a Marcus Mariota or a Michael James pop on there and be able to share their side, you know, their story and um, provide some inspiration for our guys. Some guidance has been really neat. But again, I think the first day when you see all those boxes light up and you kind of feel like you're on the Brady Bunch, like supersized, I thought that was an eye opener. But all in all, I think it's been the guest speakers. Excellent. Coach Wilcox, how about you? You know, the thing that's been uh, really neat to see is just how the guys enjoy each other. I think any time you have a chance to, to get on there with them, whether it's a position meeting or a group meeting or a team council, um, they really like the engagement of seeing each other and how the smiles on their faces and the banter um, that they probably miss, you know, and I know they miss and we all do. And, you know, initially that first week was probably get home and try and get your bearings, but you start missing your teammates and missing the, the people in your organization. It's been really neat to watch them and how much they care about each other and uh, how they keep up with each other and motivate each other. So I think that's been kind of the, the really uh, special thing to watch as we've been through all this. I like it. Coach Summer? Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I think that, uh, you know, the big concern is as we were apart, how does your team continue to grow? How does it build? Uh, what's the camaraderie like? Because when you're quarantined and, and stay home policies, what's that like? But when you watch and, and, and like Mario and Justin said, there's a bunch of different pictures across there. Guys are genuinely happy to see each other. The conversation is more than just football. You know, what you realize is between uh, 
the, the outside speakers, between the football, between just life, decking on people. Guys really care about each other, and you're still able to build a team, even through one of the, the toughest times that, that, that we've seen as probably as, as, as coaches. Yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been interesting to watch and track your guys' social media. Uh, Coach Crystal, I, I got to say, I loved it when you were outside of Justin Herbert's house when he got drafted. That to me was surprising. It was amazing. As uh, I know that was a fun night for everybody. Uh, but, but going back to you, Coach Cristobal, can you just paint a picture of what, what's it like now? Because I imagine every day, while it may feel like Groundhog's Day, like your meetings as a head coach and trying to figure this thing out, they must change. Can you glean a little insight into that? Well, you still got to stay fresh as a teacher, whether you're doing this via Zoom or doing this in person. And again, some uh, teams had, what, three or four days of spring ball. Some had none. You have the entire season. You've probably ripped through that already. So what are you showing? What are you detailing for them to try to advance, try to get better uh, in this game, increase your football IQ? How creative can you get with some of the testing mechanisms that you have online? Or how do you mix it up? You know, is it time for one of the players to lead a meeting or uh, have one of the graduate assistants take his or his turn in front of the entire group and, and kind of take his steps in developing as a football coach? So, all that stuff has been great, but just like, you know, Coach Wilcox, Coach Shum were saying, the interactions, and I thought something that happened by accident day one that was really neat is we were waiting for everybody to zoom in there, and there were guys were in there early who try to get the, you know, early's on time, so we got a bunch of guys in there 15, 20 minutes early, and some of the conversations and some of the joking around laughter going on was absolutely hysterical. We actually let it run for an extra 10 minutes because everyone was getting such a kick out of it, so... All that stuff is uh, is critical, but again, human contact, like the coaches mentioned, really, really critical. Excellent. All right, so Coach Sumlin, uh, your state is going to allow an element of human contact coming up here on Monday, at least as of now, I believe. Um, how have you talked to your players and their families about that, and what's the process among even your staff and your building? Yeah, well, we, you know, we, that's an ongoing process, right? So. Um, it's like anything else. It's, it's, uh, I think David Shaw said it's, it's, it's fluid at best. So, you know, for us, you know, there's a lot of questions. I think the big thing has been communication with, with players and their families, um, just about where we are and being honest. Uh, sometimes being honest about you don't know is okay, right? To just settle some people down. Um, you know, and just because of uh, the state is doing some things, where's your campus? You know, where, where do they stand on this? So, you know, everybody is is uh, is moving forward. But what's important is the state, the safety of our student athletes. Um, and, and, you know, particularly in, in our situation with maybe the opportunity to, to open some things up early. Uh, our, our first and foremost concern is, you know, what are we going to do for the safety of our student athletes? Um, on off campus or as whatever we can do right now, but certainly uh, as they return to campus, what does that look like and what, what is our preparedness level? So uh, we, we've had that conversation with our players. We're continuing to have that conversation with our players with campus uh, so that, uh, you know, this, this, this thing is, as you said, if you had asked me this question, uh, you know, even Monday, it would have changed, right, based on our, our governor's press conference, you know, yesterday or two days ago. So it changes constantly, uh, and, and our thought process and, and what we our availability, what we need to do changes constantly with that. Yeah, I believe it. Coach Wilcox, there's been a lot of talk 
around California, right? With the Cal State Universities, the statement that came out, uh, a lot of people confusing that with the UC system, at least around the country. Obviously, they're not the same thing. But how have you talked to your team about it? And how are you planning around it and in, in all the scenarios that may come to light? Yeah. Um, yeah, they are two separate entities. And, uh, you know, California is a big state. And there's a lot of information coming from the capital, but also uh, more importantly, you know, the local uh, health officials. And so the neat thing to watch has been kind of our chancellor and, and our athletic director uh, and the modeling that's going on. And, you know, Coach Sumlin and Coach Cristobal and I have been on these meetings with the Pac-12 about different models of the season. But here locally on our campus, our, our chancellor and the committees they have on campus of modeling the different uh, structures, you know, that could come up. And, um, you know, we are always in action in, in gaining information and there's going to be a time uh, that we're going to be able to come back and get together and uh, fully intent on uh, playing this season. Now, how we get to that point, you know, there's a daily, it changes, you know, when do we come back? Uh, when do we start working out together? Um, but every intention is to do that. And, um, you know, again, I've just been real impressed with locally our, our, our chancellor and our athletic director and how they're working through these different models because the information changes daily. Yeah, it's been impressive to watch all the leaders in, in every respective footprint. Uh, Coach Cristobal, uh, and everybody here as a new coordinator, and you're coming off an incredible season. How, how have you been able to maintain the momentum and rebuild that too deep, let alone the roster? You lost a lot of players to the next level among having Joe Moorhead and some changes on your staff. Well, we're really fired up about our changes. I mean, we're looking at a couple of guys that are complete professionals, you know, tremendous amount of energy and passion. Um, these guys, have, we feel, are going to upgrade our program in a lot of different facets. But uh, I think what they uh, what they brought to the table, along with the fact that we've, we feel like we've established a really good culture, okay, and, and not just a word to throw around out there, not just a tagline. We have miles to go. But we recognize that, but we feel that what has been established – from a mindset standpoint, from a standard of expectations and operation, that it's going to be on the players. And like Coach just mentioned, at some point in time, that ball's going to be teed up and we're going to play ball. And the team that handles this kind of stuff the best is, is probably going to have the best chance to have a successful season. So those changes are something that you know we look forward to in a positive way. Uh, whatever is thrown our way, um, you deal with it and absolutely make zero excuses as to not having enough time or not being able to meet enough together. There will be time. In the meantime, is continue to zoom away, continue to stay in touch, and most importantly, build stronger relationships with those players. These new coaches did not spend much time around them. They have to, on a daily basis, build those relationships so that that trust is really formed and that they can move forward and really trust each other. Yeah, you just following up on that, Coach Sumlin, bringing Paul Rhodes. You guys all got in about one week of practice and spring practice. How are you been able to do that with with a whole new side of the ball? Well, you know, it's it's just like Mario said. You know, as a new coach, or particularly guys on defense coming in, they the the good news is that they did get to see three or four practices, right? So there's there's a little bit of evidence on film, uh, some meeting time, some workouts, so they have a little bit of an idea athletically uh, up close. Uh, the developmental part, that, that obviously did not happen. But what happens now? And I think Mario hit it right on the head. You know, it's about communication. It's about trust. It's about and, – and, you know, during this time, the Zoom, our Zoom uh, 
situations have been not just about football, but about life and getting to know guys, getting to know the family. So some of these, sometimes, you know, your mom will peek their head in behind the Zoom, you know, say hi. And, and everything we do is not about X's and O's, particularly during the last, you know, month and a half, two months, because, you know, lives have been changed, lives have been turned upside. Everybody's got a different situation. And our coaches uh, have been and needed to be invested in our players' lives outside of football. And, and that the quickest way for, I think, for new coaches, you know, to, to really to really flourish and, and, and do the things that they need to do to be successful is to gain trust. And, uh, you know, you'd say that's hard to do when you're not in front of them. I mean, right there face-to-face. But believe me, we've had enough meeting times through Zoom that the guys know uh, from everything from, uh, you know, cookouts and, and virtual cookouts, uh, you know, virtual everything. So, yeah, it's been a different, a different way to do things. But uh, I think our guys, particularly defensively, the new guys and our staff in general has, has done, have done a nice job of, of really communicating with our players and gaining that trust in this time where, where everybody's not together. Coach Wilcox, you know, you guys lost some guys up front to injury last year, but you bring back a quarterback. He's been in the program for a long time, and you bring in a new system on offense. What's that been like? You know, whether you deinstall everything, do you kind of hold back a little bit? How are you there? Yeah, well, uh, similar to the other coaches, you know, we got a weekend, which for us was four practices, and, uh, you know, it might seem like a small number, but to be able to get four practices in and those corresponding meetings – during those days and then the off days, it was really, really productive. And uh, thanks to technology and Zoom and Exos and uh, Kahoot and all these different platforms, we're able to, you know, engage with the guys on football. And um, we spent a ton of time doing that. Um, I don't know how we would have ever done anything like that back in my day. So they put a fax to two year or who knows. I don't know if it would have worked. But, uh, you know, the ability to, to engage with them during those meetings has been critical and we got quite a bit in offensively put a ton of it in and it's a credit to our new coaches and how they handle that and also our players digesting it but it's been really productive and as uh, you know the other coaches mentioned I think this time with this again zoom and FaceTime and all this I mean there's getting to know the guys even though they're not next to them they're still able to get to know them because there's a lot of dialogue going on whether it's football or nothing to do with football uh, which is really important in this whole process. I'm going to go one more with you guys, and I'll open it up to the media. But Coach Cristobal, um, obviously you know recruiting as well as anybody. What are the discussions like around recruiting, the recruiting calendar, all the things that seem to be you know, flipped upside down to a certain degree right now, and, and how are you and your staff approaching and managing that? Well, it's, you know, we spend a lot of time now on our conference calls talking as coaches, and there's some unbelievably – there's some great ideas. And um, – a lot of tentative planning that goes on, a lot of hypotheticals. And like, you know, Coach Wilcox mentioned, you sometimes it moves from plan A to plan B within hours, within days. So you're prepared to move on, you go. Uh, not having people on campus and actually seeing your place is difficult for every coach because at the end of the day, facilities are great and, um, you know, videos are fine, but to be able to sit with people face-to-face and get to know those people and take a deep dive into one another and build relationships, there's nothing like that. So yeah, it's certainly a, it's a challenge, but it's a challenge for everybody. Uh, these challenges are not unique to us or, or any other school. We all face them. And in the meantime, you know what? It puts into perspective how important it is to take advantage of every single opportunity on a campus, on a Zoom call, 
uh, getting to know a family member, a coach, uh, taking a deeper dive into not only highlight film, but game film to see how a guy really responds in all kinds of situations and, and during a game and practice. So uh, it's a test. It's a test that we're all going under and, uh, you know, we, we accept the challenge. Yeah, you hope that high school seniors don't lose their senior year. These guys that haven't, you know, maybe been offered yet or on the fringe. Uh, coach Sumlin, your strength coach, I've been tracking him and the, the stuff he's done online with your players. What are the conversations around that? Is, you know, some states may open and kids can work out. Some may not. Can you take us inside the meetings at all around the strength and conditioning part? Yeah, you know, uh, Coach Johnson, he's done a great job. If anybody follows him on, on social media, uh, you know, the, the suggestions are not just for uh, for our team or for people that were just uh, in, in, in quarantine. And, and a lot of the workouts had uh, non, uh, you know, not no, no real equipment in them, bags, water bottles, uh, things that they can do and, and things that uh, that uh, anybody could have done through do through this process. So, you know, but between uh, our meetings, you know, the creativity of our staff, the creativity of, of everything that, that uh, from recruiting, but actually to, to strength and conditioning, that's an everyday, everyday conversation. And what does that look like uh, if and when return to play happens, uh, when that date happens, how we're going to progress our players back into uh, the type of physical conditioning that, that uh, they need to, to be into to practice and, and perform for a season. So, you know, th those conversations happen every day. And uh, the, the, the other, the other pieces, what does that plan look like? And, and as the other coaches have alluded to, you know, we've basically since, uh, since the end of March have met as a, as coaches uh, with our league uh, and have developed uh, different plans of attack from, uh, from a, a return to play standpoint, whatever those week periods look like, uh, what those practices, what those workouts will look like, because it's our job to prepare our guys to prepare to play football and then be reactionary. Just like Justin said, that plan might change and go from A to B in, in a couple of minutes or a day. But our jobs are, are to prepare our team to be ready to play in, in, in the fall. And uh, our strength coaches are a huge, huge, part of that because uh, for the time that our players have been away uh, for player safety uh, for their well-being to, to for them to be in the type of shape to play at this level you know we're, we're gonna have to be cognizant of where they're coming from what they're doing when they get back on campus uh, and 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 at the rate and the speed that they do that excellent and coach Wilcox um, there's so much influx as we've talked about right fluid is the, is the word of the week uh, let alone the word of the last 50 plus days. And I think we'll continue to be so, but if there isn't an equal start to the season, you know, whether it's this conference or others, what changes you want to see to make sure that the end of the season gives everybody the same opportunity to compete for a playoff spot? Yeah. You know, to say it's going to be the same throughout every state and every conference, uh, it's probably going to be difficult, you know, just there's so many dynamics involved. Um, at the end of the day, you know, uh, each and every conference uh, is going to make their decisions with some direction from the NCAA. And as long as, you know, the, our conference um, realizes the importance, and we do, of being aligned with the CFP and, and all the entities involved, I mean, that's critical, you know. So uh, everybody wants to play. Everybody's intent on playing as uh, many games as we can, a full schedule if we're able. 
And if things change along the way, as, as Kevin said, then, you know, we'll be ready to adjust, but we need to be uh, working in concert with the other conferences and uh, the CFP uh, throughout the country to give us as normal uh, uh, experience as we possibly can. Excellent. Dave, I'll turn it over to you guys. Coaches, thank you for the time. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Thanks Okay, at this time, we'll take questions from the media. And again, uh, media, at the bottom of your screen, you'll see a raised hand symbol. If you have a question, press on the raised hand symbol, and we'll get you in the queue. Uh, first question coming from Leo Haggerty. Go ahead, Leo. Need to unmute your line. This is on mute there. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Coach Wilcox, I want to pick up on what you just said. If you guys have a say in this, would you rather play, and again, this is assuming you can't start until the first week of October. Would you rather play an eight-game schedule and finish at the normal time, the end of November, beginning of December, or would you rather play the 12 games, go into second semester, and play into January? So the hypothetical is, would we rather play eight? I just want to make sure I'm understanding your question here. Yeah, would you rather play eight? You're starting in October, first week in October. Would you rather just play eight games and finish at the normal time, or would you rather play the full season, go into second semester, and finish sometime in January? I guess I would say that's a difficult question to answer right now without more information. You know, what is, how does that affect uh, the other conferences, uh, the CFP? Uh, are, are we working in unison, or is that um, putting us on, out on our own, so to speak? So. I guess I wouldn't be able to answer that without more information because we've talked about these different scenarios. Uh, we've uh, been in these meetings where we've modeled, uh, geez, I don't know if we could count them, you know, hours and hours and hours of modeling different uh, seasons and what those would look like based on when the start time would be. But again, to answer that, uh, I think we'd have to have some more information. Coach Cristobal? Same question? Yes, sir. And then Coach Sumlin. Yes. Um, well, again, along the lines of what Coach Wilcox just said, if everyone was held to the same standard and had the same regimen structure, I, I would always be in favor of playing 12 football games. Coach Sumlin? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we all want to play as much as we can play, right? But uh, just like everything else, you know, we just brought up the example of different states opening at different times. Uh, there, there are a lot of different uh, things that can happen between now and, and, and the fall. And so it's really kind of hard right now to say, hey, what would you prefer um, based on uh, where things are at this point? So, yeah, and, and the alignment with all the other conferences, right, for the CFP, uh, what is everybody doing? Is everybody on the same page? Uh, what is what does the non-conference schedule look like for everyone? You know what 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 is that? So that is a very difficult question to answer right now, based on the information that we have. Uh, we've got a number of models, but I don't think there's a guy uh, that that player or coach right now that that not only wants to play football but wants to play as much football as they possibly can in a safe manner. All right, next question, we'll go to James Crepia. James, go ahead. Thanks. A uh, question for Mario. Mario, I asked this to Jonathan Smith yesterday. Uh, last week, 
when Governor Brown was asked specifically about fans attending high school and college football games, she laughed about it and had the state health official answer. How did you feel upon hearing her reaction about football? Because I heard from some at the University of Oregon who were quite upset. And what's your message to Oregon fans and the community here in Eugene is a lot of people in businesses not only look forward to football because they're fans, but they rely on football and lose a lot in terms of livelihoods if games are canceled or fan attendance is restricted or prohibited in any way. Well, you know, in terms of my reaction, I don't, I don't get to watch as much as maybe you might think. So I don't think um, matters involving a pandemic and the way that businesses and people are affected, lives are affected, right? From the student athletes to local businesses to name it, the mental health of so many people that just live and die by the sports world and everything that comes with it. I don't think, I don't think anyone's taking this lightly. I don't think anyone, thinks of it as a laughing matter. I, you know, we're all very, very hopeful and encouraged and enthused that the measures being taken and <clears throat> professionals involved in helping us establish protocols to, to get back to normalcy is something that we're all really, you know, encouraged about. And um, we can control what we can control, and that's what we're going to do. And that, again, that provides us and, and encourages us to continue having a positive attitude and moving forward so when the time comes that we will be ready. So. But that's my best way to answer that. I, you know, I think that uh, we are encouraged. We are, we are feeling that uh, at some point in time things are going to go well. And, and we are. We're very mindful and very um, you know, sympathetic and considerate of all the people affected by it. Because it's not just a football game, right? It's the student athletes, surrounding businesses, uh, the community, right? A lot of stuff involved. So we're all very, uh, very mindful of that. I had a question for Kevin as well uh, on a different matter. Kevin, as a sports fan, I understand we all want football back and your coaches, you want football back. But as a sports fan, ordinarily in 10 days, you'd be back home. You'd be at the Indy 500. That's very important to you. When will you feel comfortable again being a spectator in the Tower Terrors or at the paddock at Indy? And with the race being moved to August 23rd, are you planning to go this year when that's a week before your game? Or are you going to watch from home? I think your last question, I don't, I don't, I'm not planning on that. So I've talked to those guys. Um, this is a different question. I didn't expect that for, for everything that was there, but yeah. Um, you know, being a fan, that's, that's, it's difficult. You know, you, you don't get to be a fan a lot in this business. Um, but this is a unique situation. And because of that, Hey, I, we get it. Uh, and I think, as I said before, as our other coaches have talked about, you know, this is a different time. And these, these are unique situations. Um, you know, you see what, what the professional golf is doing. You see what NASCAR is doing. You see what different, uh, different professional teams are doing. So, um, yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. Uh, it's hard to, to, to really say, hey, look, uh, you know, as a fan, do you want to watch it? I think you, you saw the interest uh, last week. Uh, with UFC. That's probably one of the highest rated UFC uh, cards in, in the history of UFC, right? Because people wanted to see that. And that was on television. Um, so there's different ways to be a fan. Um, obviously, uh, for me, that, that, that is, uh, that'll be a, a telev television event, whether it's live or, or taped. But uh, uh, we plan on practicing during that time if, if things are right. All right, next question will come from Dennis Dodd. Okay. Uh, can you guys hear me? Good to go, yeah. Dennis. Uh, for, for everybody, um, 
is, is this a chance just what we're going through and uh, what the Pac-12 is going through for the league to just kind of remake its brand, come out firing all guns? I mean, you know, all we're talking about is the Cal State system the last couple of days. I mean, we actually get the football, uh, you know, it might be pretty good. Start with Justin. Yeah, are you talking to Dennis? I just want to make sure you said, is it a chance for us to to uh, rebrand? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, just everything. Yeah, there's been so much, you know, negative headlines the last few years. You know, wipe the slate clean, just come out, you know, guns blazing. Yeah, well, I know for us, I guess, and me personally, I know what kind of players and coaches and programs we have uh, in our conference. It's extremely competitive on all fronts. Um, in terms of the talent, in terms of the coaching, in terms of the institutions. Um, and um, we love, you know, going out and competing against these guys. I don't spend a ton of time uh, worrying about narratives and things like that. I understand the question, but, right. uh, you know, we uh, – I think all of us uh, can't wait to get started and get playing. And uh, we would love to play, and we're going to do everything in our power to safely play as many games as possible. And, uh, again, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I know our, our conference uh, is modeling and, and, and projecting to do just that. And so um, how that impacts us moving forward and the narrative out there, I don't know. But I know uh, we and, and the other schools in our conference are excited to go out and chance to, to compete. Thanks. Go to Mario. Oh, I, I agree 100% with Justin. Our, our branding is the way we play the game. And uh, I'm honored to be a member of a conference that has such prestigious coaches and coaching staffs. It's being reflected in the kind of recruiting, the caliber of an athlete that's being recruited and signed by our staffs. And if you look at the stretch rundown of the postseason, so many of our teams had tremendous success and uh, really, you know, showed that the progress that's being made is something that's going to continue in an upward trajectory. So we're extremely fired up to get back on the field and represent this conference the way it should be. Kevin? Yeah, I, I think if you look at, and you know, a lot of people don't know, the investment from our from our conference uh, behind the scenes and the meetings that we've had uh, with with our commissioner, uh, with our league office, and with our coaches, um, really working on different scenarios to to not only uh, place play football in a safe manner, but uh, what does that look like from a competitive level and uh, you know, and, and, and what's best for our conference. So, you know, it, it, it shows you from our league office the, the commitment that they have for, for, uh, for our excellence. And, and that, like I said, that started way back in, in, in March. So, you know, from, from our stand, from my standpoint, um, yeah, it, it gives us an opportunity just like everybody else. When this thing, uh, this thing goes green, you know, what, what, what does that look like for everybody? Because, uh, again, like many coaches have said, how you've handled this this part, and how you handle everything that that uh, that's coming at you here in the next couple, three, four months, uh, is going to determine not only your success, the league's success, uh, your team's success. So, uh, and and trust me, just like everything that that's been said here, those things are going to change uh, by day. So, how that gets handled, uh, and. And it's going to affect a lot of things, but how I think we, we are as prepared as a league based on uh, the meetings that, that we've had uh, and, and the scenarios that we've talked about as anybody in the country. Good. Thank you.
You're welcome. All right, next question. We'll go to um, Michael Lev. Uh, Michael, your line is open. Hey guys, uh, I have two questions. One um, is specifically for Coach Sumlin, and then uh, the second one is for the group, and I'll ask them separately if that's okay. Um, Kevin, uh, Dave Hickey, your athletic director, announced a re-entry task force today. I just wanted to know what you make of the steps that the athletic department and the university are taking to proactively attack this whole situation. Well, as I said earlier, you know, uh, based on the, the governor's uh, comments of, of, of a day ago, you know, we have to take that 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 stance. And I think uh, Dave has, and, and along with President Robbins, you know, the, the conversations that they're having about our campus become important based on uh, you know the, what what's what's opening in the state. So uh, again, what we're doing as a university. And what we're doing as a football program and what Dave is doing as an athletics director, it all starts with the safety of our, our student athletes. Uh, and, and what does that look like? Uh, down to, the, you know, where they eat, whether, where they're going to live, how we're going to test them. Uh, I think Dr. Robbins has talked about uh, our testing program. So uh, there, there are a lot of uh, things that, that go back into uh, – re-entry and, and, and getting back on campus, but certainly uh, the people that, that, that matter, that, that are experts in those, in, in those fields of, of the medical field, of, of logistics, of, of housing, uh, where those people are, everybody's got concerns, but they're, they're experts in that area. And to get their opinions, uh, to get their knowledge, to have the best plan possible for, for uh, return to campus, I think that's that, that is uh, extremely smart on, on Dave's part and, and on and on our, our on our president's part. All right, and the second question: um, I know that Coach Sumlin and uh, Coach Cristobal both had to take salary reductions. I'm not sure if Coach Wilcox um, has had to do that as well. But I just want to know, simply put, is that was that a difficult thing to do at all? Asking myself. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it's, you know during this time it's a it's a difficult and unprecedented time, right, in our world, and it's something that now more than ever people have to show unity as a, we tackle this together. So no, it wasn't difficult. And how about you, Kevin? No, I, I think uh, it's like Mario said. You know, this is a unique time, and uh, um, and when you all you have to do is, is turn on the news at night, read the paper, just get on the internet, and there's you know you you. You, you see the struggles of, of, of people across the country. And, uh, you know, from, from that standpoint and from uh, a standpoint of, hey, uh, you know, what can you do to help the situation at, at, at your university? Um, no, it doesn't become difficult at all. Yeah, do uh, you want me to answer that? Is he there? Yeah, go ahead, Justin. Finish that up. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I just speaking on Cal specifically, um, there's been a lot of discussions in different ways that um, some of us as coaches uh, and even administrators uh, that we can be part of the solution uh, in, you know, supporting our athletic department. And I'm 100 percent behind that. And there's just been a lot of different ways that we've discussed on how to do that. So that's where we're at. OK, next question will come from Jeff Ferrado. Jeff, your line is open. Jeff, you need to unmute your line. 
Can you hear me now? There you go. Beautiful. Justin, this is for Justin. Uh, first of all, Justin, are you saying that you have or have not uh, taken a pay cut at this point? And second of all, can you talk about um, – you mentioned earlier the possibility of doing a training camp somewhere off campus, perhaps like a quarantine area. Cal's done that at times in the past for different reasons. Uh, what are the logistical issues with that? Uh, how much How much will the cost be a factor? And ha have you discussed specific sites that you might do that? Uh, to answer your first question, we, we haven't yet. Uh, again, I've been in touch with uh, Mr. Knowlton and uh, for the last – two months um, regarding how we can, how myself and I know other coaches as well want to be part of this and, and be a part of the solution to help support the department. And so uh, we're still discussing that and I will be, uh, you know, given direction by them on how he wants uh, us to do that. Um, the second part of your question, everything is on the table. I mean, everything's on the table. Uh, so at, when we talk about all this modeling, whether it's at a conference level or at a uh, institutional level, we're looking at every scenario uh, based on, you know, where we're at at that current time. So whether that's, you know, June 1, June 15th, July 1, July 15th, August 1, there's just these different points where we're looking at, yeah, is that a possibility? It could be. And so we've modeled that out. Now, uh, how in depth you go on that, um, we've discussed kind of preliminary, um, uh, you know, logistics. And there are logistics involved, but those are the discussions that we're having on a daily basis. So there's no uh, no places you've identified yet as potential sites, or uh, we've discussed some different ones. Um, again, just uh, you know, but I'm probably going to leave it there. You know, we have discussed those. Uh, you know, the the idea of that, if it becomes necessary, and it's not, we haven't. It hasn't been determined if that's going to be necessary. Again, this is all planning and modeling. So we could sit here and talk through, you know, an exponential number of scenarios, but to answer your question, we have talked about that. And if it was uh, a necessity in, in order for us to prepare to play, uh, then that would be something that we would consider. Thank you. Okay. And a final question uh, for this afternoon will come from Tony Syracuse. Tony, your line is open. Hey coaches. Good afternoon. Um, Greg Sankey, Mark Emmert, a lot of these guys in different parts of the country have talked in the last 24 hours about how there are dozens of scenarios that are being discussed, both in a regional basis and a national basis. But one of the things that has been thrown out in the media in the last week is pushing college football to post-January 1 to start. And all of your meetings at the coaches level, at the conference level, has that ever come up? And would you guys be in favor or opposed to it in order to buy more time to have a full season? I have one more word. Yes, Greg. It's me now. Oh, would you like to start? <laughs> Alphabetically, Arizona. Kevin. Um, I thought you were going to go with S. Justin, <laughs> <laughs> you'd still be. Uh, I, I, I'll be honest with you. You know, we've had this. I think the coaches are, are different. Again, um, it, it's all about player safety. What's best for them? I think Tony, that uh, it, it's more it, it, after June, after January first, you get into some other issues, right? You get into some eligibility issues. You get into classes starting for the next semester. Uh, some guys who may have been able to graduate. Some incoming people. Uh, 
you know, and let, let's be honest, you know, if, if the NFL doesn't change what they're doing, um, you, you know, you got some guys that, that might be affected by the combine or, 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 or by the draft. So, and then, you know, what does that, what does that say for next season? Uh, what does that say for players uh, that are coming back to your program? And, and if that season starts, then are you trying to play 24 games in, in a, in, in a 12 month calendar. So it's not as easy as that. And, and, and just looking at a January schedule that goes through that and, and impacts on a lot of different things. And in particular, uh, the spring and the, and, and the next fall. So, yeah, you know, it, those scenarios have been discussed. Um, everybody's got different, um, different opinions about it, but, you know, ultimately uh, guys want to play football. The players want to play, the coaches want to coach and we want the safest, model yet and if that's the model um you know that so be it but it's going to affect things um uh, for the next year more so than people are talking about right now yeah i'll echo what uh, kevin said it's an incredibly complex uh model and there have been discussions about that as i mentioned before we've talked about uh, really everything out there um, to a degree, some more in depth than others, but the, you know, the late start has been discussed and there are a lot of uh, uh, logistical issues with it. But uh, ultimately, if that's what's best for college football, then, you know, we would be on board. But I think uh, there would take a lot of planning, um, a lot of uh, logistical uh, work to get that done. And ultimately, we don't know yet, you know, we're still, uh, gathering information, and and if that's what it was, then that's that's the way it's going to go, and we'll figure it out at that point. Um, but I think we've spent more time uh, with you know our our normal schedule, and then from there, what are the modified schedules that could happen um, if if need be. So, so that question has been perfectly answered by both Coach Sumlin and Coach Wilcox. <laughs> so you don't need me to answer anymore. But a lot of planning, right, guys? I mean, we've been in there hours and hours, so. Wait and see, but there's a plan for everything. Great. All right, guys, thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate that. This has been great all uh, four days with the coaches. Um, again, appreciate your time. This will be recorded and sent out to the media. Um, again, thank you today, and thank you to Yogi. Thanks, thank coaches. See you guys. Appreciate it, guys. Stay safe. See you.
like my Colorado swag Cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag Have you ever seen a